To really understand technology, you have to live by it. And to really talk about business, you must have experienced it first. In this podcast, we do both. But we also get backstage and enjoy the crack with other entrepreneurs with whom we share experiences and learn about their secret sauces. Welcome to The Tech Post with me, Richard O'Donnell, and my co-host, Tony Frawley. Hello and welcome back to this month's Tech Post, Tech Post 13. And uh, if you'll recall from last month's podcast, the title of that podcast was, Is Your Old iPod Worth $90,000? Well, we had a fantastic reaction to that, Tony, from all over the world. And uh, we thank everybody for their comments, indeed, in particular from the States, where we have one fan at least, and uh, we thank him for listening. Um, but we thought that we got such a reaction that we did, we'd use it to inspire this month's topic, which is those old gadgets in your attic, are they the new antiques? Yeah, very and, interesting, uh, Richard. And it's hard to believe we're on uh, Unlucky number 13 uh, podcast already. <laughs> unlucky for some, but we'll make this podcast as interesting as we can. I think this is a quite an interesting topic, and we were we were certainly very surprised with the uh, with the with the feedback we got on, on the last podcast. So I think we got some interesting nuggets to talk about on, on today's show. So let's uh, let's get cracking. I guess. Yeah, I think everybody loves to to think that they may have something in an old box in the attic or out the back that could be worth money that they had forgotten about. You see these programs on, on TV, you know, money in the attic or cash in the attic, is that what it's called? And uh, it's always nice and pleasant to think that maybe we have something in that bottom drawer that could be worth a few quid. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And so along these lines, I asked my tech group on WhatsApp, um, had they any suggestions? And my mate Maliki McCoy, who lives in Barcelona for many years, came back and he said, Rich, why don't you talk about abandonware? which I barely knew anything about. Yeah, I've never heard of abandonware before as a term, actually. Tell yeah, us about what, what is it? Well, abandonware is types of old software and hardware that's no longer supported. Mm. Um, but, uh, you know, for example, we're going to talk about Microsoft XP. Everybody would know that who had, who's had a, a PC in the past. But interestingly, um, uh, old doesn't necessarily mean no longer any good. And in the business world, I remember my friend Chris Byrne reminded me lately that code he had written in the 1990s is actually still working away in various US companies that he was involved with and has been happily supported by skilled programmers today. And they're making a good living from it. So we shouldn't ever think that just because software or indeed hardware is old, it doesn't mean that it isn't any good. It solved a problem at the time. And inter interestingly, I'd argue that it continues to solve several problems. Um, I think people get very excited about the new shiny tech, the latest uh, piece of technology that's out and maybe forget about uh, something that they used a number of years ago that was uh, you know, very, very good and served its purpose and just fire it into a drawer and forget about it. And, um, you know, it was it was it was very useful at the time and it can be just as useful right now. People probably need to just maybe understand that, that there is actually probably still some value in that particular product. Yeah, I mean, this is there is a there is a new way for sure um, around the world in in this area, not just in hardware, interestingly, but in software too. Like I just mentioned, um, there is a site called myabandonware.com, and I looked it up before we came on air, and um, 
their catch line is get ready for a deep dive into PC retro gaming. More than 17,300 games are available and waiting to be played again. And the interesting thing there is download for free. Get your dose of nostalgia and old school gaming right now. On my abandonware, you can download all the old video games from 1978 to 2010 for free. You can play games. Remember Pac-Man? Do you remember I that? do, I do, of course. Yeah, fantastic. Interests. Yeah, Sim City, Prince of Persia, Xenon 2, etc. All, ba- um, all, 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 all basic, but, but great fun. Yeah, and they're downloadable, as I say, for free because really they're no longer supported by the companies that originally uh, released them or programmed them. Uh, I heard on the, on the radio this morning in one of the tech uh, newscasts that the PS3, uh, the Sony PS3 and the PSP indeed, support for those two gadgets will end in July this year. Hmm, that's interesting. I would, yeah, I would, would you say that's common knowledge? I don't know. Um, but then I wonder, I know from, you know, my own kids that each time a new upgrade came, it usually lasted, sorry, the current box would last whatever would be two or three years. And then usually around Christmas time, like last Christmas, the PS5 came out and, uh, you know, the kids want that. So the PS4 that's downstairs has now been abandoned. And uh, it's almost like it never existed, even though it gave good service over the two or three years. Yeah. Um, what to do with that PS4 box is is the thing. Do you sell it? I suppose you do. Um, but in due course, of course, the companies start to or stop supporting those. And the PS3 and the PSP are, are, are the uh, the examples of that we're using today. Um Another in the software area was Microsoft XP, which was actually released um, in 2000 and what was it, 2001, I think? So, yeah, yeah, 2001. Yeah. I would have thought it was in around the early noughties, yeah. About 2001, 20 years ago, and they stopped supporting it in 2014, but that didn't mean it went away. And um, I was looking at various articles about this lately. And there are those uh, people out there who are suggesting that you continue to use that PC running XP. And here are some of the suggestions that you upgrade it to Windows 7 or Windows 8 or even Windows 10. Uh, you replace it, obviously, switch to Linux, um, use it as your personal cloud. That's clever. Or build a media server with it, mm-hmm. uh, convert it into a home security hub. That's a good idea. Um, host websites yourself and, of course, using it, use it as a gaming server. Um, there's a piece of software that I think is, is superb. It's called Extra-PC. Not easy to, not easy to say, but um, their tagline is you breathe new life for old PCs. The Extra PC devices turns that old, outdated, slow PC into a like new PC, giving you blazing speed for surfing the internet, watching videos, downloads, and gaming. Extra PC uh, sees compact size is perfect for laptops and desktops. It's a dongle actually that you buy with a piece of software on it, plugs into the USB port on your computer. And um, if the reviews are to be believed, it's super duper. Mm, um, yeah, that's intriguing now, isn't it? It is because instead of, um, you know, the topic of which we're going to get to of, you know, looking for those um, devices or I suppose software indeed in games, in the area of games, you know, instead of, I suppose, leaving them there doing nothing. Why not breathe new life into that old hardware or software and get it to do something for you? But is it not? It has a consumer, uh, you know, certainly over the last 10 or 20 years, 
just become obsessed with just throwing everything out. Something has, has come to its end of life and we want a new gadget and that's it. it. It doesn't serve any purpose anymore. Is that the new modern consumer? I think it is. I think it is. And the, the gadget makers, of course, promote that. Um, lately, I uh, traded my Samsung S9 phone for the new Galaxy S21, which I have in front of me. And I thought, well, what am I going to do with my S9? And I, I tend to mine my phones. So it was scratch free and it was always in a case and it was a nice phone and it was a great servant. Uh, I really liked it and it was still nice and quick and did everything I wanted. Yeah. And um, I didn't really want to leave it in a drawer or sell it on eBay for 50 quid or whatever. So Samsung and as Apple do it as well, have a trade-in uh, facility. Um, so essentially, before you check out, they say, well, what phone do you have? And I told it, I told the, I put in the, the details and the serial number on the website. It comes back and it said it's worth 240 euro. No, oh, very good. Which is great. Yeah. Yeah, because it's what, maybe four generations back at this point. Um, I thought, well, 240 quid off the list price of, I think, about 650 is a very nice amount. Obviously the, par- obviously, the parts and the components, it's worth them to do that. It's worth their while in doing that. I think they had a third-party company, a bit like a car phone warehouse, or maybe that's not the right one. Um, you know these high street uh, little shops you see where you can trade in stuff and they give you a price there and then they give you cash? Yes, yeah. Um, I think they have a deal with some company like that because when the package turned up to send it back, it was a third-party company that ah, they were dealing with. Okay, okay, there you go. Clever, well, I suppose if you, think, if you think logically along a line and our theory here that you should hold on to your old gadgets, etc., um, that is a threat to that market. Of course you know, the it is. The current trade-in market is threatening the old vintage market. Yeah, no, absolutely. It really is. But, does that mean, therefore, that there's going to be a more of a scarcity of old gadgets, therefore driving the price up? Potentially, potentially. Yeah, there really is. And I, I don't think that, that the vast majority of consumers anymore see any value in their old technology. Um, you know, I think uh, the, the large percentage of people will just dispose of it. They'll try and sell it themselves if they can, or they'll just, they'll just get rid of it. And certainly when you're talking about Windows XP, maybe the mindset on a lot of people is that, well, that's no use to me anymore. Can't use it. And that's not true. Mm. That's not true. It has, as you just outlined there, six, seven different uh, things that you could actually do with that. It's still working fine, you know? Yeah, you probably need a, a technical mindset to to even think that way or want to do it. And now there's lots of people much more savvy in tech than they ever were. And maybe they would they would do that. Um, I found lately, you know, that the Nokia that I was talking about in the last podcast was at the N90, yeah, um, which was the the fold over version. It came in a brown color. It had a full keyboard. It had two screens and what have you. And on the back of that podcast, I went and I ordered a new battery for it on eBay. It turned up. I plugged it in. It worked. It was fantastic to get it working. And uh, it was great to have a new gadget that was an old gadget, if you understand. Mm-hmm. But I have to say, after about an hour of working with it, it was quite frustrating. Um, the stuff you take for granted now, like Bluetooth just works. We're on Bluetooth, I think, is it five these days? Yeah. Three, I'm not sure. Um, likewise, Wi-Fi that just works. It kept. It was a bit iffy. Sometimes the Wi-Fi clicked in. Maybe it's because my... My Wi-Fi server in the house is more modern than the phone, something like that. There's a disconnect there. 
Um, also, I found that having to go around the screen with the cursor instead of tapping the screen, which we take for granted on our smartphones now, again, after a, after a while, it became tedious. Yeah, the, it's very hard to, from, from a user experience perspective to go backwards. It's, it's, it's next or near impossible. Whereas I think if you look at some of the older um, technology products, uh, and we're going to talk about them in a while, on the iPod, for example, you're definitely seeing a resurgence in people going back to using iPods purely because they want to get away from, from being connected to the world. I remember seeing um, two months ago, um, sorry, not two months ago, a number of months ago, watching uh, Ronaldo turning up to a game. And beforehand, they, 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 the shot captured him listening to an old little iPod Nano, you know those little ones just clipped yeah, onto him purely because it just gets them away from their phone. And it's, 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 uh, that's appealing to certain people, which is quite interesting. Yeah, I get that completely. We touched on this in a previous podcast where I invested in a, the latest version of a Sony Walkman, which we'll, we're talking about one of those in a moment. Ah, here. the Sony Walkman. <laughs> now you're talking. What a great product. But I loved that idea of not having to use my phone and the distraction of it, where you could leave your phone you know, at home and you go out and you have really good quality audio. We talked about it before. If you, if you think back on one of the, the podcasts in the past, I'm not sure which number it was, but we talked about this, the, the idea of taking your music away from your, I suppose, your obviously your phone, but your... Distraction. Well, the distraction, but sometimes your phone is used for work as well. Yeah. And music and work don't mix. Um, and so, yeah, I think low tech is, is great in that in that scenario. Um, and we talked about the record player that I have on the desk beside me here, plugged into an amp and external speakers. And it's a delight. I have Spotify on my computer here, which I play sometimes, but I have LPs, as I mentioned before, that I simply stick on, no digital anything. And it's just, there's something really nice about it. It's a tactile as well, I think. Mm, but def definitely the tactile nature of, I think, the, the tangible factor you can touch and feel it is good. But I do think there's something huge in the lack of distraction as well. You can actually listen to a piece of music and you're not going to get pinged by email or WhatsApp or someone texting you or a phone call or God knows what. It's, you know, you, it's a purely escapism. And, and, and that's becoming more and more appealing to certain people. They want to get away from, from distraction wherever they possibly can. And the good old Sony Walkman, which came out in 1979, for, I actually didn't realize the data back that far, Richard. Um, that, was, that was a revelation of his time, wasn't it? It really was. Um, the first, uh, the Sony, so we're, we're, we're on to the section here where we're, we've got like a top five, I guess, that we have, we have uh, gleaned from the internet of potential gadgets that you may have um, already in the, the cupboard that we talked about that might be worth uh, some money if you were to if you were to sell it or auction it. Um, so the Sony Walkman and the, the actual model number was a TPS L2. It's a portable cassette player, never heard of up to that point. Um, first released in 1979, both a pop culture icon and a forefather of the on-the-go of on-the-go listening, the Walkman changed the way people interacted with music forever. Released in 1979, the Walkman TPSL2 allowed for cassette tapes to be played anywhere using headphones, ditching the bulky boombox and paving the way for portable music listening worldwide. And while Walkman remains the evocative image of retro music tech. Um, sorry, while Walkman remains the evocative image of re retro music tech for audiophiles today. And thanks to the film Guardians of the Galaxy, That's right. the yeah. Walkman had boomed, has boomed in popularity since it was featured on screen as Peter Quill's favourite accessory. 
So the original cost, guess what the original cost of a Walkman was in dollars? We'll keep it all as dollars. I don't know, $100? It was $200. $200. Which is the equivalent of about $660 today, Whoa, which is expensive. quite an yeah. amount of money. Yeah, very yeah. huge amount of money. I think when new, new tech comes out first, it's expensive. We see it with the new flip phones that are out there these days, you know, where the screen size doubles. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was looking at the latest um, Huawei last week. There was a, a review done on it. I couldn't believe the cost of it. It was over €3,000 to uh, get this new Huawei phone that folds, the foldable phone. Crikey. And when you think about it, my very first car, which I bought about 1984, cost me 1,600 euro. Yeah. This phone in your pocket is about double the cost of that car. So I could have bought two cars for the price of this one phone. And this stuff we saw it with Blu-ray and DVD players when they came out first, prohibitively expensive. But after maybe a year or two, everybody gets in on the act and now you can buy a Blu-ray player for 50 quid. So I suspect that's going to happen with flip phones as well. But anyway, back to the Walkman. So today um, you're seeing bids of up to $900 accessory. And the one thing that intrigued me when I was researching this was um, um, a lot of that popularity is the Guardians of the Galaxy and what's called the cosplay market. Do you know what the cosplay market is? I've never heard of it before. Cosplay well, I market. I until this morning. The cosplay market is people actually, it's, it means costume play market. And it's essentially people dressing up as their heroes and from movies, Mr. Spock, for example, or Captain Kirk. And one of the greatest accessories that you can have if you're dressing up as one of the guardians of the galaxy, I guess, is to have a Walkman portable cassette player. Oh, interesting. And uh, even if it's non-functioning, it really fetches a decent price too, because they simply want it as an accessory. Obviously, if it's functioning, it's even better. So um, I'm probably, I'm assuming it's probably a huge market, is it? Um, the, the cosplay market is worth over $40 billion a year. Stop, $40 billion. $40 billion. Which is people essentially, you know, those fancy dress um, shops that you can hire funny costumes for the Halloween party or whatever. Um, but it seems there's a, a full industry now and people dressing up in that stuff to simply emulate their heroes on the screen. Um, oh, different world out there. That's for sure. A different world. Okay, number two is the Motorola Razor version three, uh, which was released in 2004. That was, that was so innovative at its time. That really was a great phone. It sure was. It was as much a fashion accessory as it was a cell phone, if you recall. Um, it was the phone on people's wish list uh, for every business executive, indeed, or celebrity or high school kid at the time. Um, the cost then was $450, which is about $570 today. And if you were to try and sell that today, you would get $30. 30 oh, wow, it's just lost huge value. Why is that? It's just too many of them out there still, I wonder. People have. Um, it's like anything, it's supply and demand. Yeah. Um, so there is a glut of them. Surprised by and that, actually. Yeah, well, the reason that we included in the top five here is to show people like any investment, there are uh, investments that go up and there are investments that go down. You just dashed some people's hopes there. They're thinking, yeah, I have one, I think, upstairs in the attic. Great. Maybe this is yeah. worth money. $30. Well, okay. Yeah, you'll know this too. There's a branding issue, of course, as well. I wonder, did Motorola ever have the branding cachet that the likes of Apple would have? 
Definitely not. I don't think so. They were always a challenger brand to to Nokia back in the day, really, weren't they? And Panasonic maybe yeah, as well. Yeah, another brand at the time. Yeah, Panasonic, of course. Um, and I guess maybe the second the second um, contender these days would be Samsung. I always I, I remember the Razer when it came out, Richard, because I, I remember a couple of my mates had it, and another one of my buddies uh, did buy into that. He went, he bought the Panasonic, and it was one of those phones yeah. that you'd, you had to pull the aerial up, the little plastic aerial to get signal. <laughs> it was the funniest thing. I remember watching him in a in a pub or something like that, and he get getting a call, he taking the phone out and pulling the aerial up. <laughs> He's on his call, thinking he was cool. <laughs> I think I think maybe some of the popularity of the clamshell or the Razer style phone. Um, maybe it came from science fiction movies again, um, where if you recall the whole Star Trek thing, when they went down to the planet, they had their communicator, which was a flip over clamshell oh, style yes, gadget. Yeah. And I, I've no doubt there was a nod to that um, uh, in the Razor, the Motorola Razor. Ah, you're probably right. Okay. The number three um, in 2007 was the first generation iPhone. 2007 been 14 years ago. It actually feels like it's longer than that. It does, yeah. It really does. Yeah. Um, if you, for some reason, bought one of those, I don't know why you would, and you didn't open it and kept it in the cellophane and put it in the bottom drawer of your, your bedside locker, um, you would have paid then $600. And today, as I say, if it's sealed, etc., you'll get up to $15,000 now for that same phone. Wow. Wow. But as we said before, if it was, you know, in use, you used it um, and used it in anger, like most people do with their mobile phone, it's probably semi worthless at this point. A few hundred dollars, sorry, a, a few, a few dollars, 10, 15, 20 dollars. That, that's, that's in today's market, but we have no idea what it could be worth in 10 years time or 20 years time. God knows where technology will be then and what that could be worth at that stage, you know. Yeah, that's true. And it brings us back to what we said before. It's to do with supply and demand and indeed the amount of stock, if you want to call it, that's out there, um, you know, that's for sale. It's the same as, as, as antiques. You can walk into an antique fair and see, you know, all kinds of coins, we'll say, from the past, you know, and you'll think, well, that's a gold sovereign. That must be worth a bomb. Yeah. In fact, it's probably worth 100 euro. Whereas you think it's solid gold, why isn't it worth more than mm. that? And the answer is that there's just so many of them still out there. They're not that rare anymore. Um, and that's not just for antiques, of course, or gadgets. It's, it, that applies to any any part of business. Okay, number four on our list is the iPod Classic, which was released when? Can you remember? Actually, I'm surprised that, because um, as far as I know, it was the early noughties, but... Um, I think you had mentioned to me beforehand that it was, um, it was a 2000 or 2001. Is that when you said it came out? Correct. 2001. Bang yeah. on. Yeah. I, I would have thought it was and later is, than that. Is... Yeah. It's no, it was 2001. Um, I actually would have thought it was earlier than that, but did you? Yeah. It's, it's correct. Yeah. I don't know. It's, that's just a perception. Um, yeah. So the cost of an iPod classic around then was between four and $500. Um, which again, Apple pricing was was quite expensive. That's probably the equivalent of would it be seven eight hundred dollars today. Um, so what's it worth now? If you still have the first generation iPod, you can expect anywhere from fifty dollars to one hundred and ninety dollars, uh, depending on the condition and if you kept all the power cords and the accessories. 
And that's not terrible until you consider that a factory sealed version again, the special edition or the collected uh, um, or the collected first, second and third generation iPads are now fetching, as we said in the last podcast, anywhere between $5,000 and $100,000. So it's a bit like anything, you know, that's old. It needs to be in a particular condition and ideally in the best condition that you can possibly get it. So, you know, if you're listening to this and you're thinking about selling that gear, make sure it's the best you can get. Indeed, you might even get into the market, you know, go on to eBay and buy stuff that's for sale, you know, that obviously isn't in your drawer, but you're buying stuff and you're speculating on it in the future. Uh, Just before we move on from the iPod Classic, to the person who's listening, who stole my iPod Classic, if they are listening uh, in the early noughties, out of my car when they broke into it, I I hope the iPod is not working for you anymore and it's worth nothing, (laughs) nothing, you should say. (laughs) <laughs> and 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 the plague of pestilence on anyone who bought it from you exactly right. exactly well said well said <laughs> okay number five in our last um gadget that uh we thought we'd mentioned today and of course there's there's you could have chosen tons and tons more but this is in the whole area of hi-fi or audio receivers indeed as they were called in the 1970s the brand Marantz is still around today an extremely good high-end hi-fi um, and back in the 70s, it was the very embodiment of vintage audio. Marantz and their lineup of speakers and receivers were a staple of any user lover's crib in the 1970s. And while the times have come and gone, Marantz products have made a name for themselves, not just for nostalgia, but also for the sheer power and indestructibility of its soundware. So what did it cost back then? Around $600, which mad to, to think is actually nearly $2,900 today if you were to buy the same piece of equipment. So very high-end and expensive gear. So what's it worth now? Well, in general, well-kept Moran's pieces and other vintage audio equipment fetch pretty good prices in the collector's market. And in particular, the Moran's 2600 that we're talking about here is a better known model and has uh, been seeing, uh, has been seen going from prices from up to $3,000. But as we said before, and underline this, condition is everything when you're appraising old tech. And so it's not surprising that the eBay search results for the 2600 mostly list replacement parts, namely LEDs, intended to keep the Marantz's signature blue lights functioning well past their prime. Very interesting. So, um, yeah, there, there is, a, again, I would think in, in terms of hi-fi, fellas like me at, at least, um, We'll have lots of that lying around the house. We were just chatting a while ago about the um, the difference between buying streaming uh, hardware such as the Sonus range, or mm. using you know a dongle on the back of an existing hi-fi like I do. I use Google Audio Cast on uh, the old stereos that I have around the house. I just can't bear to part with them. <clears throat> so it's a great way of using or allowing streaming of music and MP3 in particular into old Wi-Fi. But aren't you, aren't, you, aren't you right? Because I think what we've learned from our podcast today is look after your stuff. Mind your technology. It could be worth something. And there's definitely warrants the consideration of, you know, if you have a few, Bob, and you're, you, you want to you wanna buy the latest piece, and, piece of technology that's out in the market and you don't need it right now, put it aside. It could be worth something in 10 or 15 years' time if you're, if you're prepared to wait it out. Clearly evident for 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 some of the products that you uh, that you mentioned uh, on, on today's podcast. 
Yes, it is. And and let's add to that, that not only does it not have to sit in the drawer and like any gadget, I would suspect, or machine for that matter, it's probably better off used if you can. You know, that old record player, that old Walkman, indeed, if you have an old cassette, use it. Now, obviously, you need to be careful, um, you know, how well you treat the gadget, because we've learned from this session today that the condition is everything. So, you know, don't drop it, don't pour coffee on it, if, but do use it if you can keep it uh, in the pristine condition that you'd expect. I'll, I'll, you were... I'll let you know how I get on recording a radio show tonight, um, okay, on my hi-fi, and then playing it on my Walkman tomorrow. I'll let you know what that experience is like, okay? Yeah, see if you can burn it onto your gramophone as well. <laughs> exactly, yeah, exactly. Okay, good. Um, as ever, very enjoyable, Tony. And uh, thanks to all our listeners for listening again. Hope you enjoyed it. Once again, delighted to get some feedback on what you think or indeed if there's anything that you'd like us to um, tackle in any of the podcasts, be sure and let us know. Always trying to be more and more relevant. Uh, so don't be shy. And until the next time, thank you and good luck. Thanks, folks. So that's it for this month's Tech Post. Don't forget, there'll be a new episode on the first Thursday of every month. We hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, don't forget to hit the like and share buttons. And remember, it's just tech. It's not rocket science.